this fear of insulin at all costs and fear of glucose in our bloodstream at all costs, it's unnecessary. Hello, welcome. I'm so glad that we get to hang out today. We have a fun one planned here with my friend Natalie Grasso, who's a professional physique athlete, fitness model and mind body transformation coach who found healing through adopting a low carb lifestyle over 10 years ago and went on to build the body of her dreams. Having overcome a host of chronic health conditions, including GERD, migraines, ulcers, dysmenorrhea, ovarian cysts, chronic sinusitis, mood disorders, and a lifelong battle of binge eating and bulimia, Natalie's passion and mission in life is to empower women to become strong and resilient mentally, emotionally, physically, so that they can live in the bodies and lives they love. Now a WBFF pro bikini wellness model, trained life coach, certified health coach and personal trainer and nutritional therapy practitioner, Natalie specializes in low carb nutrition for body transformation with a focus on disordered eating and behavior change. Natalie launched the Keto Bikini Body Virtual Body Transformation Program in 2020 to help women become the CEO of their bodies, unleash their inner athlete, and achieve next level results by revealing trade secrets used by fitness competitors alongside the power of the ketogenic diet. When she's not helping her clients break through barriers to achieve phenomenal transformations, you can find her lifting heavy things in the gym, whipping up magic in the kitchen, or outside getting some nature therapy. She shares the ins and outs of her life as a keto bikini pro on her YouTube channel and Instagram at the bikini pro and supporting women in her keto bikini secrets Facebook group. So we, Natalie and I were introduced through Bronson, who has been on the show a couple of times. You guys have really, really enjoyed his episodes. We've been talking a lot with Bronson about just mindset shifts. And so this was a solid recommendation. I really, really enjoyed our conversation with Natalie. We brought up Bronson um, in the episodes. If you're like, who's this Bronson guy? I've never heard this episode. Head on over to the episode that we did uh, December 6th of 2022. That was episode 390 called Keto Carnivore Workouts and Motivation with Coach Bronson. And then again, he came on the show May 30th, 2023. Uh, it was episode 423, How to Gauge Fitness Performance with Bronson Dant. Two really good episodes. And Natalie is no exception to this group of amazing content and just really really good, clear understanding of what can be going on with your body when you are just struggling to reach your goals. And why I wanted to have Natalie on the show is that she does such a great job at pairing how to make your body look different, but not sacrifice the internal piece of things. Because what we oftentimes find as coaches, and maybe you've been through this too, is we can get so hyper focused on what our body looks like. And we forget that through doing certain things like not taking rest days, we're going to talk about that not having enough protein. Yes, we may quote unquote, lean down, but overall, it doesn't help us with our goals. And so today we're talking about insulin, glucose, falling off keto, how to lose body fat in a healthy way, tracking our food, binging, how to kind of unpack the misconceptions that we have around building muscle. We talk about body fat percentage and the goals, protein goals, some really realistic, practical ways to start 
changing the look of your body while not sacrificing the internal health, okay? And really focusing on that internal health as we change our external environment. So let's get right to it. Let's chat with Natalie. Hey, my name is Leanne Vogel. I'm fascinated with helping women navigate how to eat, move, and care for their bodies using a low-carb diet. I'm a small-town holistic nutritionist turned three-time international best-selling author turned functional medicine practitioner, offering telemedicine services around the globe to women looking to better their health and stop second-guessing themselves. I'm here to teach you how to wade through the wellness noise to get to the good stuff that'll help you achieve your goals. We're supporting your low-carb life beyond the if-it-fits-your-macros conversation hormones, emotions, relationship to your body, workouts, letdowns, motivation, blood work, detoxing, metabolism. I'm providing the tools to put your motivation into action. Think of it like quality time with your bestie mixed with a little med school so you're empowered at your next doctor visit. Get ready to be challenged and encouraged while you learn about your body and how to care for it better. This is the Keto Diet Podcast. Hey, Natalie, how's it going? Hey, hey, Leanne. I'm so excited to finally get to chat with you. Yeah, me too. Oh my goodness. You were saying before we started recording that you had read my stuff from way, way back in the day, maybe YouTube videos and stuff like that too. I mean, we're talking like 14 years or something at this (laughs) point. So there's a lot there. (laughs) Yes, I have to credit you for so much of my early knowledge about keto and so many other things, just nutrition and connecting with your body and your health and your mind and all of the amazing things. You're, you're one of the OGs. And I was just super geeked when Bronson made the introduction for us to chat. Yes, we've had Bronson on the show a couple of times. He is just a wealth of knowledge. So I'm, I'm so excited to chat with you about what you know about bodies and what you've learned over the years as a coach and just even just taking yourself through some of these things. So why don't you tell us kind of how you got into this keto stuff and, and what you do with your clients on a daily basis? Okay, sure. So yeah, um, I kind of went through a, it's been over 12 years now, uh, my own journey from initially seeking to heal a lot of internal chronic health issues that I had in my mid 20s. And I just turned 40 in February, and I'm in better health than I've ever been in my 20s. So uh, it was a long, drawn out roller coaster ride. But um, early on, going paleo honestly took care of probably 80% of everything. I got off medications, I healed myself completely with just the food and the lifestyle change. And a little bit of background I grew up a dancer, I went to school for dance. So I had some fitness in my history, but I was never, I never weight trained until after I started my health journey and then kind of got active physically again. So those are kind of the two themes you'll probably hear me talk a lot about, which is the physical fitness aspect with the nutrition aspect of how I'm now better at 40 than I was at 25, 26. So most of the ladies that I work, I work with exclusively women. And most of the women that I work with come from kind of two camps. Uh, They are either coming to me fresh and new to keto, or they've been doing keto or some version of keto that has not been ideal for them. 
and they still have a lot of body fat to lose and they've been plateaued and they've been frustrated or they've been yo-yoing up and down. A lot of them keep falling off keto as we hear and then have to get back on. Um, a lot, a lot of my ladies dealing with binge, binge eating or other disordered eating patterns, uh, which is one of the main reasons they come to me because I've had that experience myself. And then on the other side of the coin, I have ladies who have been incredibly strict with their eating for a very long time and are already quite lean. Uh, usually most of the time, maybe even too lean and have been so obsessive over the macros and the food selection and overly critical with themselves. And so they're coming from a different side of the equation and really needing to learn to be more flexible. Uh, so that's typically the two sides of the coin that I'm seeing all the time. Um, and it kind of marries. That's how I've come to the perspective I've come to now about uh, this we need to marry health, internal health, with the external aesthetics that we're seeking to find a, a fit for us. And every single woman that I work with is different in regards to her macros and her food selection and what foods work best for her and what training and fitness and exercise works best for her. So I meet each client where they are. I've primarily focused my entire business on private one-on-one -on -one coaching. And I just launched my first group program in over three years earlier this summer. And I'm getting ready to launch my next one. So I'm delving back into the world of group just so that I can serve more people at a more affordable price point because not everybody can afford private coaching. Yes. And I think it was your group coaching or there was like a summer thing that you did. And was it like a bikini thing or like some summer, summer program? Yes. <laughs> yes. And I saw that and somewhere in the small print, or maybe it was even on the image, you said something like you shouldn't have restricted in the last, was it six months? If you're joining this program? Yes, at least three months, um, preferably three. six. Yep. Okay. So can we talk a little bit, because you kind of delved a little bit into people that are restricting a lot and the binging. Why would you say that in order to be part of a summer shred program, you don't want to have had restricted in three, ideally six months? Can you take us through like why? Because that might be a brand new concept for 99% of the individuals listening. Oh my goodness. Yes. And I would say probably 99% of women out there in the world have been restricting yeah. our entire lives. We've been taught from, from children, from childhood not to eat less because we, you know, in our generation, it was about being skinny. It was about this fashion model runway look. At least today, I'm very happy to see that the fitfluencer body, which is a bigger, more fit and curves in the right places kind of body is more celebrated these days. But when we were growing up, it was like being pole skinny. So We've always been taught to eat less, eat less, and to be dainty and to eat small meals. And, you know, my mother still does that today. So, yes, it is definitely a new concept to not be restricted, to not be on a diet or to be not eating low calorie. Uh, so what this comes from and a lot of the education that I do these days, and I tell you, it's, this is one of the things I wish I knew 10 years ago. Um, five years ago, you know, throughout, even throughout my journey. Now, when I look back, 
and I'm more honest with myself about what was really going on, even in the early days of competing, I did want to stay lean. I wanted to restrict. It was the focus was very much on not putting on be, being afraid of putting on body fat and always wanting to get body fat off my body. And so that's where most women are at with it, whether they're already lean or not. Um, that is just always the focus. So what I like to educate about these days is something in the fitness industry that these fitfluencers and these and competitors, good, solid athletes who have longevity in the sport and the top athletes in the sport of bodybuilding, but ultimately all athletes in any sport really understand. And that is that there are seasons. There are seasons in our year as an athlete that we have to go through. And if we do not go through the off season, we cannot have a successful on season. And so you can look at this in any sport. Football players have to do the proper kind of training in the off season to take care of their bodies and get themselves ready for game time when you're doing when you're playing games every single weekend throughout the on season. And so for bodybuilders, what that looks like is six months, a year, sometimes multiple years in a building phase, a phase where we are not focused on losing body fat. We are not on a diet. We are actually pushing our calories quite high so that we can be in a surplus to put on the kind of muscle that will make the real change in our bodies when we do get to stage the next time. And that has to come with some body fat. It doesn't have to be drastic. And that's another thing I like to teach is that there's the concept of bulking and cutting in the bodybuilding world that I think can be very detrimental. We don't need to be putting on a ton of body fat and then taking it off every year. It's exhausting. And that's another thing that most women have been doing their whole lives, putting on and taking off 20 pounds or more every year. And what I did with the shred, I did have a few ladies that applied for the shred that were already in a deficit. And it, although I said I wasn't going to take them, I thought to myself, well, this is an opportunity to, t to bring them in and to teach them the right way to do it. So I ended up letting them come in. But when I set their macros, I actually brought their fats up because their fats were too low. It just wouldn't be where I would put anyone. And throughout the shred, I was educating on these concepts of, you know, we, you actually need some people are too low and need to bring these nutrients up. And so that's really kind of one of my platforms now is learning to take this proper, what we call an off season is really, you're not off. You're not just off the rails as we hear all the time. You're not just not tracking anything and not looking at anything and eating whatever you want. For athletes, an off season is really that improvement season, that building season. We're still looking at things. We're still tracking things, but we're tracking so that we are not under eating and that we're eating to properly fuel and nourish our bodies and to build our health and our muscle in the off season so that when we do our next cut or our next diet for the stage, we're in a better position health-wise to get that weight off, that body fat off, and still maintain some health. Because here's the thing, when you're a competitive athlete, bodybuilding athlete, it is unhealthy to get to the levels that we get to for stage. And that's no matter how you do it. I initially got into keto because I thought, you know, I want to do this in a healthy way. But ultimately, at some point in a prep, and maybe it's just those last four weeks or those last two weeks 
But eventually you're going to get to levels that are incredibly unhealthy body fat levels, particularly for women to live at. So it's, it's that cutting process. It depletes the body of nutrient nutrients because you're just not getting as much nutrition as you can get when you're eating more food. So every, even though as bodybuilders, we throw everything at it to make sure that we are doing it in the healthiest way possible, at least for those of us who are natural athletes, it's still not healthy to be in a prolonged deficit. And this is for anyone. So even my ladies who have over 30% body fat, um, which I always say anybody at that level, women over 30% body fat, the first goal should be getting under 30% body fat. And then we can talk about optimizing from there. But even those ladies, it is important to take diet breaks, do things like refeeds. And these are all of these kind of advanced concepts um, that we use in, in physique sports. Um, but that's ultimately my mission is to bring the things that we do in physique sports that helps us get to these levels, um, get to these kind of insane looks that women want, but take it less extreme and just take those concepts and apply them to my lifestyle clients. Yes, completely. You answered that question absolutely perfectly in a well-rounded way. I think a lot of women are probably heard the whole tracking so that you're not under eating and got a little bit nervous. Um, <laughs> and it's, it's right. It's scary. Yep. I remember being in that place. I think you and I have very similar, even down to the dance background <laughs> of, you know, going through all of that. Like it's, it's really scary to not restrict and just the, the, the mind shift that needs to happen to be like, okay, I'm actually planning to track to make sure that I eat enough is just is really terrifying to get over that for a lot of individuals, especially when their goal is to lose weight. And um, maybe you'd agree with me, maybe there's stuff that you want to add. But I think what a lot of women want to do is not necessarily lose weight, but change the look of their body. And uh, they associate... Yes. If I see the scale go down, then I'm winning. And I'm constantly saying to my clients, no, you want to see your body change the way it looks. If the scale goes up or down or stays the same, I literally don't care. I mean, I do care if we're like dropping weight like crazy because it could be muscle. But can we talk a little bit about that composition side of things and how to kind of wrap our head around all of that. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're a woman after my own heart. Absolutely. Like this is <laughs> this is platform number two. I always like to say, you know, it's not about getting to a smaller size because what happens, and one of the main reasons a lot of the ladies who still have a lot to lose come to me is because maybe they've already lost. I have clients who've lost a hundred pounds and they're like, I don't look any different. Now I just look exactly the same and I have all this hanging skin and all of this excess fat just hanging and nothing looks tight or toned. It's not the way I want my body to look. And same thing with my skinny fat ladies who have lost a lot of weight and they didn't change the way their body looked and they're not happy with their body. They're not confident when they're looking in the mirror, when they're putting clothes on. They don't want to take their clothes off because they don't want to see what's there. At the end of the day, it's about, do you want to change what your body looks like or do you just want to get into a smaller size? So most of the time when women are on a fat loss, weight lo a weight loss journey, it's not actually a weight loss that they're seeking. It's fat loss. So that's one indicate two things that I like to point out. Number one, you don't want to lose weight at any cost because losing muscle will make you 
flabby and you're going to have all of this excess skin and it is not going to be appealing and you're not going to be happy with the end result. And that's what I, that's what a lot of women are doing with low protein diets and not strength training. So that usually one of the biggest regrets that they have when they come to me is they started keto and they always heard, you don't have to work out on keto. It's one of the reasons they wanted to do keto. It was appealing. Oh, I don't have to work out to lose weight. I can just do keto. And what happens is six months, a year later, two years later, they've lost all this weight and they've lost muscle. They never had it to begin with. They never started strength training. And they wish someone would have told them at the beginning to start strength training, uh, weight training, resistance training earlier so they could have actually looked different when they got their weight off. So number one, it's you don't want to lose weight. You want to lose body fat. And you want to build and or maintain muscle, which is another kind of misconception when women say they want to look toned. I Sometimes I hear, and it used to bother me, it doesn't bother me anymore, but sometimes I hear, oh, I don't want to look like you. I just want to be toned. Or, you know, I don't get it as much as some of my colleagues in the in the bodybuilding space that are much larger than I am. But, you know, a lot of the time there's this misconception that, well, I don't want to build muscle. I don't want to get bulky. And they think that the muscle is going to make them bulky. And I don't like to pull any punches. I'm like, it ain't the muscle that's making you bulky. It's the fat on top of the muscle. So let's get rid of the fat and keep the muscle. And that's where you're going to get that toned look. All toned is, is more muscle and less body fat. That's what creates that beautiful shape that we really are after. Summer, or actually any holiday season, is such a delightful time, isn't it? A chance to take a break from the daily grind and just enjoy life. However, all the fun aside, we often find ourselves taking a break from our health routine during the summer too. Things like late nights, irregular eating habits, indulgence, a lot of alcohol, maybe even cutting down on sleep or not having good sleep because of the alcohol we're drinking. But when the vacation season winds down, it's time to get back on track with our health. Although it may not be the easiest thing to kind of sit down and go through how to make these shifts, it's absolutely essential for our well-being. If you struggle to return to your health routine, I have a valuable lesson to share. For now, just focus on the majors, prioritizing healthy eating, exercise, good quality water, and quality sleep. Sleep is the key to your body's rejuvenation and repair process. It controls hunger and weight loss hormones, boosts energy levels, and impacts countless other vital functions. A good night's sleep will improve your well-being much more than anything else. In fact, if I had a choice, I would choose a sleep-in versus an early morning gym session. Yes, that is true because sleep is a major to focus on. And that's why I recommend you look at starting magnesium daily, but not just any magnesium supplement, get magnesium breakthrough by buy optimizers. Magnesium breakthrough contains all seven forms of magnesium designed to help you fall asleep, stay asleep and wake up refreshed. Not to mention it's a phenomenal blend to regulate your magnesium levels overall, something we can all benefit from. 
The sleep benefits are truly remarkable, and once your sleep is optimized, you'll find it much easier to tackle all the other aspects of your health. Trust me, Magnesium Breakthrough is a game changer. To learn more, just go to magbreakthrough.com slash keto diet. That's M-A-G-B-R-E-A-K-T-H. R-O-U-G-H dot com slash keto diet and use the code keto diet one zero to get 10% off your first bottle. Again, that's magnesiumbreakthrough.com slash keto diet and use the code keto diet one zero to get 10% off your first bottle. Yes. And bulking is hard. Like you're not going to accidentally like, no, no. It's hard. Like I've gone through a bulk before and (laughs) it was so grueling. It was really challenging. So it's not something you just fall into like, oop, I just bulked. Oh no, I lifted a five pound dumbbell and now I'm bulky. Right. It took me eight It took me eight years to build the muscle, eight years of competitive bodybuilding, probably about 10 years of training for me to get the kind of muscle that I have now. And I'm still a very petite lady. So yeah, it's not going to happen by accident. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You're really going to have to push. I think I want to delve a little bit into the maybe some misconceptions around keto because you mentioned low protein and I know way back in the day, and I'm still hearing this today. I don't even know why we're still talking about this, but gluconeogenesis, just talking about how if you eat too much protein on your ketogenic diet, you're not going to be able to maintain a ketogenic state. What are your thoughts on protein? Because I think it's I think it's changing slowly, but a, a lot of my clients will come in. They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I eat so much protein. And I look at their logs. I'm like, you're eating 50 grams of protein. Oh, you're 200 gosh. pounds. This is not, no, this is not enough. What are your thoughts on protein and keto and maintaining that muscle like you were just talking about? Oh my goodness. This is another thing I would put in the bank of, I wish I knew this 10 years ago. Um, because even like looking back at my, just recently I looked back at my early competition prep uh, logs. I have like these diaries that I kept for every single prep I've ever done. And I went back to like my 2016, 2017 preps and even 2019. And I was like appalled at how low my protein was. Even as a competitive <laughs> athlete, it was probably about, honestly, it wasn't that bad considering what most women come to me very similar. It'll be like 50 grams, 60 grams. Because one of the things I require them to do when they first come to me is just track what you're already doing. I don't do anything arbitrary. I don't just plug numbers into a calculator and tell them what their macros should be. I want to see what you're doing. And then we have to work on improving from there. And most of the time, it's incredibly low, 50, 60 grams of protein. So I look back and I was probably doing like 90, 80 grams, 80 grams. And, and for me, that's almost one gram per pound of lean body mass. So that's not, that's not terrible. But, you know, nowadays I am eating 150 grams of protein consistently year round. So, and that's more than 1.25 times my body weight. So definitely things have changed. And I think back to, oh my gosh, if I had started eating higher protein back then, I cannot imagine how much farther I would be in this sport of bodybuilding, how much more lean mass I would have had by now. You know, so it's definitely a regret that I have. But the fears, the fears around protein, absolutely. First and foremost, gluconeogenesis is not driven by how much protein you're eating. It is driven by what your body needs. If your brain is not getting enough glucose, your brain and your body are going to ask for that 
And here's a fascinating thing. It's not just protein that converts. Fat can also convert to glucose if and when we need it. So it's any substrate that is not a carbohydrate that can be converted via gluconeogenesis, and it's only going to happen when the body needs it. And that is why we don't die on keto. So we need gluconeogenesis. <laughs> if we didn't have it, we would die because we would not. Our brain wouldn't get the glucose that it needs. So number one, we don't have to fear protein for that reason. The other reason I see people fearing protein is the insulin response. They'll say, oh, but I get an insulin response or I get a glucose response when I eat more protein. And for one, I will say, good, that means your body's working the way it's supposed to. We should be getting some sort of a response when we eat food. And so this, this fear of insulin at all costs and fear of glucose in our bloodstream at all costs it's unnecessary. If you are somebody who has severe metabolic syndrome and severe insulin resistance, it may be more of a concern. But especially if you are a lean person, if you're an athlete, if you're already in uh, closer to the healthy normal ranges of body fat, or if you're overweight, but you're not severely metabolic syndrome and insulin resistant, you don't have to fear the insulin response either. It's actually one of the things that we need to build muscle. We need to have some sort of insulin response so that the nutrients, what insulin does is not just shuttles nutrients into the fat cells, it shuttles nutrients out of the bloodstream into our muscle cells. So we need that to build muscle. And protein is the substrate for building muscle. Unlike fats and, and carbs, which will be converted, both fats and carbs will be converted to body fat if we eat them in excess, either or, or both, which is another big misconception in the keto space that you can eat all the fat you want and it won't get converted to body fat. That is simply not true. The protein does not get converted to body fat. The protein gets used to build all the structures of the body, not just muscle, not just skeletal muscle, all the muscle in our body, including our heart. So, and more than muscle as well. It is the building block of our bodies. Our bodies are made of amino acids. So we need the protein. Um, and then what we need is enough protein to drive muscle protein synthesis, which basically means building of muscle, uh, repairing of muscle, because we break down our muscle in the gym and then we repair it in the recovery process when we are resting, which I'm sure we will get to that as well. We need rest days to be able to recover and build muscle and we need enough protein. There's essentially three things we need to build muscle, enough protein, training well, and recovering well. So, and then the fuel side of the equation, the fats and the carbs, it, or, you know, if you're ketogenic carnivore and it's only fat, that is to drive the energy that we need for our workouts and for life in general. Um, so that's kind of the other side of that equation. But protein is certainly not to be feared. And I will just put a blanket statement out there that any woman at any age, at any weight, at any height needs to be eating at least a minimum of 100 grams of protein. If you are not eating at least 100 grams of protein already, that should be every woman's first goal. I personally have never had that issue. I could literally eat 300 grams of protein in a day and <laughs> still have space. <laughs> 
Oh yeah. <laughs> Never been an issue. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Just like I ate a whole chicken yesterday and I was like, I could literally have more. Like I could, I could probably have a second. <laughs> like, so it's never a problem for me. I mean, that is my go-to when I need something quick. I go into Whole Foods and I get a rotisserie chicken and I can tear that up. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. It's so true. Okay, so we talked about a little bit of the issues that you see clients making with body composition and internal health, protein being one of them. Another misconception was excess fat or carbs can lead to excess body fat. And just, you know, are there any other pieces of misconceptions or issues you see people making when it comes to this kind of area? Oh gosh, let's oh the biggest on the exercise side of things is cardio. Ah, oh the cardio. And I'm sure I know that you probably see a ton of women with adrenal insufficiency. And I went through that myself as an athlete. It is the number one thing if I could tell all women, please change this one thing, it would be stop the excess chronic cardio and lift some heavy stuff and stop with all of the running and the cardio classes. And I know, look, this is where I know it comes from a couple of things. Number one, women have always been focused on exercise for cardio, for, um, for caloric burn. And if you lift weights, you're not going to burn a lot of calories doing that. And even if your tracker, your everybody's wearing these wearables now, even if it tells you you burned three or 400 calories in a session, you probably only burned like 200 and you would have burned like a hundred anyway, just living. So you're not burning a lot of calories, strength training. But one of the big misconceptions I like to clear up for my ladies is number one, we do not exercise for caloric burn. Exercise is not where you're losing body fat. Exercise should not be for body fat loss. Exercise should be for muscle gain. And then we manage the diet for fat loss. And the way that bodybuilders utilize cardio is very strategically. We primarily strength train. In our off seasons, in our building seasons, we cut out almost all, if not all, cardio entirely so that we can build muscle. Because what we're doing, what we're telling our bodies, the signal that we send to our bodies when we're strength training is to preserve and build muscle. The signal that we send our bodies when we're doing cardio, and especially long duration cardio, an hour or more, so these these 45 minute hit classes, or these hour long spin classes, or marathon training and, and all of that, we are sending the signal to our bodies that we need to pare down the muscle because the muscle is going to slow us down. So to be an endurance athlete, we need less muscle. So that cardio is sending the signal to the body to get rid of muscle. So it's comp it's competing with the signal that we're sending when we're strength training. So another big shift that will make a huge difference in body composition is take that cardio down. If you love running, if you do it for your mental health, say to yourself, how many days a week can I cut this down to to still serve my mental health? But to prioritize instead resistance training. So cut down on the number of times per week you're doing cardio, cut down on the duration of those sessions, and cut down on the intensity of your cardio and focus instead on strength training. And then if and when you want to do cardio, make sure you always do it after your lifting. So always do your resistance training first and cardio after. 
Um, because if you do your cardio first, you're going to burn out your energy and you're not going to have the kind of energy to give to your strength training to be able to lift properly to be able to send that muscle building signal. So definitely cut down on that freaking chronic cardio. It is killing your adrenals. It is paring down your muscle. It is just completely counter to the goals of body composition and overall health. There's nothing wrong with having a little bit of cardio in there, but it needs to be managed at, at a healthy level. Yes, I'm so glad you mentioned the before a workout situation because I cannot even tell you how many women start their workouts with like sprints or they're jumping on the elliptical for 45 minutes before they do their uh, weights. And I'm like, what are you doing? Yes. What? <laughs> and, then, uh, and then, yeah, the other side of that coin too is pick up heavier weights because what they're, they're doing like 30 minutes or 45 minutes of cardio first, and then they just do a little bit of weights afterwards. But the weights they're doing, because they don't have the energy for it, are very lightweight because they've been told, light weights, lots of reps, right? And then what is what are all these classes at the gym? The, the weight training classes at the gym are, are light weights, lots of reps, timed workouts with music. So it's just cardio with weights in your hands. That's all it is. So the other piece too is that, and I just finished, I'm doing, I do these free masterclasses every single week in my Facebook group. And we go deep into these, these, all of these topics, nutrition, training, mindset, uh, body composition changes. And I just finished a four, uh, a month long, all of August, I did a all about training. So I went into all the different aspects of training plans. But the one thing I always see out there in like the free training plans you can get online Three sets of 10 reps. When you're doing weight training, and you, women have been doing this forever, if they are doing any kind of strength training program, it's three sets of 10 reps for an exercise, and then another three sets of 10 reps for another exercise. And what they're doing is they're picking up the same weights for the same number of reps for the same number of sets every single time for years. They never increase their weights. They never do more or less reps than what it says on the piece of paper. They do exactly what it says on the page. They don't think about, is this heavy weight for me? Could I lift more than this? It's just three times 10, three times 10. That's what I'm going to do. So they're not actually, their body doesn't have to adapt because they're not asking their body to adapt. It's just going through the motions. What you're really talking about is progressive overload, right? Like really understanding. Yes. yes. Yeah. I just yes. did a whole masterclass have... specifically on progressive overload and 12 different ways to achieve it beyond just lifting more weight. Yum. That's great. I love that. I love, I love that you're doing those. I didn't know you were doing those. I'll have to check them out. They were, they were entirely exclusively in my Facebook group for about a year and a half. And I just decided since I don't have a lot of content out on YouTube to start releasing the old ones every week publicly on YouTube until they're all released because they've been kind of behind this Facebook wall for a while. And I, I do want the information to get out more widely. Maybe you've heard of all the amazing things that apple cider vinegar can do for you. Apple cider vinegar can balance your healthy blood sugar, banish cravings, and encourage fat loss. It also can improve protein absorption and digestion, helping you break down animal proteins so that you can use those nutrients more effectively. It stabilizes healthy blood sugar and helps improve energy and mood. It can aid in the healthful aging process. It has been shown to lower morning glucose, fasting glucose, and help stabilize blood sugar by increasing the ability of our muscles to take up sugar from our blood. 
The apple cider vinegar in Paleo Valley's supplement is paired with turmeric, ginger, cinnamon, and lemon, all organic ingredients, to boost the effectiveness of this supplement. Also, far more convenient than drinking actual apple cider vinegar. You can head on over to paleovalley.com slash keto for 15% off your order. Again, that's paleovalley.com slash keto. That's awesome. It's such a, it's such a new concept for a lot of individuals. I know when I take my macro clients through these things, they're like, what do you mean? I've always, yeah, three, three, <laughs> three sets, sets of reps. <laughs> That's kind of just like, I'm like, well, what if we, in, what if we like increase the weight by 30% and you only did like six reps? They're like, well, what would I do with the other four? I'm like, there wouldn't be four. I'm like, <laughs> you would just do six. Like, it's just, it's so hard for us to wrap our minds around this. Like, it's just, there are these misconceptions and just these rules that we follow. It's very similar to when you were introduced to keto and you're like, what do you mean? I can just like put fat in the pan and then cook. Why would I put fat in a pan when I'm cooking a steak? It already has fat. And you're like, just put the butter in it. Just (laughs) your mind just like breaks, you know, Um, it just breaks. (laughs) It's so true. Less is more is such a concept for, on the exercise side, for sure. It's, we always think we have to do more to get more out of it. And a lot of the time women are just burning themselves out with five, six days a week, some seven days a week without any rest days. Um, so that would be another misconception is more, always doing more, never sitting down, never relaxing, never giving ourselves that time to recover and feeling guilty when we do. And I, which I think is is a female problem as well (laughs) of like, it's not okay for me to rest. It's not okay for me to relax, take time off. Everybody else needs me. I need to be doing all these things all the time. And I'll tell you, my mother's sage advice from when I was in my twenties, you need to take a break. And I never listened to her. And then when I got full on adrenal fatigue and my body wasn't producing any cortisol anymore, it was like, oh, maybe I need to chill out for a little bit. Maybe I need to stop going, going, going all the time. And it has made such a massive difference. So that would be the other thing I would say, ladies, look at your calendar, look at your schedule. And I always like one of my mottos is be the CEO of your body and your journey. Ultimately, that's what I'm teaching all my clients to do is to not shop out the answers to everybody else. Right. We're, and look, I'm one of the worst offenders. I'm on YouTube all the time, still seeking more knowledge, more knowledge. But we have to be able to take that knowledge that we're receiving and then apply it to our own context and say, is this right for me? What is my biofeedback telling me? What is my body telling me? What is my lifestyle telling me? And then saying, hey, it may feel at times like you don't have a choice, but I really want to challenge every woman hearing this. What if you did have a choice on the matter, on your schedule, on your calendar? What if you said, okay, if I did have a choice on how I spend my time, then what would be possible for me? Because a lot of the time we just think that we don't have the time to give to ourselves. But everything in my life changed when I started, when I still worked nine to five, when I started giving myself the first hour of my day before I started giving my energy away to everybody else all day long. So ask yourself, where can I cut out, carve out time for me 
to take a bath, to take a nice, long, hot shower, to wash my hair. We talked about this before we got on. <laughs> it's like sometimes it's like we don't take the time because like uh, such a such a pain. It takes so much time, right? But it's like that's a that's a form of self care. Self care doesn't have to be like these long drawn out things that we're seeing online of like candles around a bathtub and long sauna sessions and nails and hair and all that. It could just be the simple things of like giving yourself five minutes before you leave in the morning to like breathe and or journal or we talked also about our faith to pray, right? To like just be. So that's another one. Rest, recover, connect. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Yes. Um, since we're on the topic of rest, what do you think about active rest, Natalie? <sighs> <laughs> oh, boy. Okay. Most of the time, active rest is, is an excuse to not rest. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> My job. Yes. Yes. Like, my rest days, I have two solid rest days a week. And one of them is like my sloth day. I channel my inner sloth. <laughs> and I, love it. I sloth all day, like all day. I mean, I'm working, you know, I'll go for like a walk on the beach or whatever. But I am dead. There is no active part of my, that rest. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my gosh. Number like a hundred percent. And I have to give my bodybuilding coach this past year. I got a new coach uh, at the beginning of 2022 and I have to give him a lot of credit because even last year, after all these years and all of this knowledge, I was doing the active rest thing. And it was like, I didn't even connect a click in my brain. He was like, no, one day a week, you're not even allowed to take a long walk. You keep your pajamas on and you don't do a damn thing. And I was like, okay. And I'll tell you, it really, once again, made such a massive difference. And nowadays, and honestly, I did this more earlier in my journey, like the first few years in when I was going for my pro card. And after I got my pro card, I really learned to listen to my body because the coach I had back then had me on six days a week, bro split. So we're talking a chest day, a leg day, a back day, a bicep day. Like every day was one body part and it was a lot of volume, like a ton of volume, you know, eight different exercises, anywhere from four to six sets per and a lot of volume. And during that time was when I learned, I said, okay, you know what? My body needs this day. So I would just take an extra rest day. And then I would double up body parts in another day without doing the full amount of volume. I would go, okay, I'm skipping bicep day today. And I'll just add biceps to triceps. And I'll do a little bit less on biceps and a little bit less on triceps. And that concept really carried me through that first year prepping for my first pro show. And then, you know, this coach had to push me on it last year to like, remind me that I need to do that. So now we've settled on what's so beautiful. I love this current split I'm on. We talked about recovery and uh, we've been looking at my blood work every quarter and there's some things that we want to optimize. So I'm down to a four-day training split now, which is amazing. And then so now I can I can space out my rest days as needed. So if I do a hard leg day and I need a rest day the next day, I can take it before I get back in the gym, which is so fantastic because now I have three days a week 
that I could do two days of active rest and one day of full rest. So I would say, ladies, if you don't have one full day of slothing, (laughs) do it. Take that day. And then, you know what I really love about those days? I don't normally have that much time in my day. It just opens up so much more time in the day because there's not the putting on the gym clothes and driving to the gym and doing the warm up and doing the workout and getting home. It's like all of that time is back in my day and it just feels like I hit the lottery on time. And it, and now I can do things that I don't normally do. Maybe I can read a book or lay out in the sun or spend more time with Bronson. And it that feels luxurious. Yeah. You know what split I've been kind of toying around doing next is a two day on one day off and just repeating that pattern over and over and over. I think I would love this. Yeah. I'm going to try it. It's awesome. Boy, let me tell you. (laughs) Because I have have two uppers and two lower, two upper days and two lower days in this current plan. So I do, I either will take a day in between every single one or I'll do two back to back and then I'll take a day. And I'll tell you, it is, it's so freeing. And you're also so much stronger. Like if you really, if you're honest with yourself, I know after a rest day, I'm, I can notice a difference. And so it motivates me to take that time off because I know I'm going to be stronger. And so why wouldn't you like you have so much more time in your schedule, you're still able to prioritize things, all of those pieces are so essential um, to be able to bring it in the gym the next time. So yeah, if, if I feel like we've totally nailed the rest aspect, I'd like to spend the last bit of our time kind of going through the practical applications of some of these things. Like one of the items that you talked about was the max pro- or rather the, the minimum amount of protein that you would want to have as a woman is 100 grams. And that was a super practical like I hope everyone wrote that down and really felt that deeply. (laughs) And maybe even like you said, Natalie, like tracking a day and just kind of seeing like having no expectations of anything, just I'm going to track my meals for the day and kind of see where I land. I'm not going to change anything, but just see. And you might find that your protein is not at all close to 100 grams. And that's something that you can work towards. So I love that practical application. Um, There were some uh, questions that KDP listeners had, and I'd love to kind of pick your brain on some of these practical applications if you're cool with going that route. Oh, yeah, let's do it. Quick fire. Okay, so (laughs) first question was, I like to strength train, but I get so hungry the next day that I binge eat. What could be going on here? Oh, boy, you're not eating enough on the days that you're not binging. (laughs) Um, 100% every single time this is the case. A hundred percent. What I find is, so two things I want to tell this person. Number one, uh, track your binges. If you've never tracked your binges, track your binges. This was the, the agreement I made with myself when I was deep in a bulimia relapse years ago. I was desperately trying to get out of it. And I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to hold myself accountable. When I binge eat, I'm going to look at what I did. And so I started tracking my binges. And what this will allow you to do is if you track track a whole week with your binges and then calculate the average daily caloric intake, including your binge days, this is your maintenance level. You've been trying to live under that and you're likely going way too low on your calories. And then when you binge eat, All your body is doing is trying to bring you back to maintenance. So track it all with your binges and see how many calories that is. 
And what that's going to tell you is, okay, this is my maintenance. What I want you to do then is spend a week eating that much daily. And I guarantee you, if you do that long enough, the binge urges will completely go away. It has nothing to do with the strength training. You just need to feed yourself more on a regular basis. Yes. Beautiful answer. 100%. Okay. Next question. I have no appetite. I can't lose weight. All my thyroid levels are normal and I have a lot of energy. Why can't I lose weight? Oh boy. And they're not hungry. Yeah. They're they're not not hungry. Okay. They're not hungry. No appetite. Can't lose weight, no appetite. If this person is on keto, which I imagine they would be, eating way too much fat, I can guarantee you are eating way too much fat. If you're not hungry, you have plenty of energy. That tells me that the fat you're eating is giving you all this great energy. It's too much energy for your body. And so you're not you're not able to tap into your fat stores because you're putting a lot of fat in your body. So look at your fat macro, see how much you're eating, track it. Um, Like Liam said, do it intuitively, eat, but put it all in a tracker and see how much fat you're eating. See how much protein you're eating too. Uh, You may not be eating enough protein. Um, I guarantee if you drop your fat and you increase your protein, you'll still be satiated. You still won't be hungry, but your body will start tapping into those fat stores and it'll start coming off like magic. Yes, totally. Okay. Last question. What's a healthy fat percentage? I know earlier you talked about if you're above 30, goal is under 30. But just as a woman who wants to live a healthy life, look good aesthetically, have internal health, kind of, I know that this number is going to be different, but what's kind of the range that we should be looking at where we're not super depleted, but we're not super in excess? Like what, what does that look like? Okay, so it's going to be kind of a wide range because it's really going to depend on the person. Um, and I can say from my own experience, I used to maintain in my off seasons at a higher level of body fat than I do now. And now I can maintain at a lower level, a lower percentage of body fat, but I've also built a lot of muscle over those years. So uh, before I state these percentages, let me just say that once you're in a healthy range, If you stop focusing on the body fat loss and start focusing entirely on muscle gain, you can change the percentage just by building muscle without having to actually lose any pounds of body fat. So I always tell women that the goal should be getting to this maintenance level where all you have to worry about the rest of your life is building more lean mass and it'll just keep changing your body composition in the right way without having to be in a deficit. So that said... Typically, you're going to see tables that show you a little bit higher normal for women. And what I will say is that just like all of the allopathic blood work ranges, these ranges of body fat that you see in these charts online are based on an unhealthy population. Um, Somebody dropped in my group the other day a question about this. And she said, I saw for women, it's like 25 to 36%. And I was like, that's way too much. <laughs> 25, great. 36 is way too much. And we shouldn't be saying that that's healthy. So I would say the range can be anywhere from maybe 22% up to about 26% body fat would be what I would consider ideal or optimal. And you could be anywhere within that. I used to maintain at around 26%. And now I maintain around 23% more consistently. So anywhere within that, depending on your body type um, and how and where you hold that body fat may be different for you. But that's usually the range that I like to ultimately get my ladies to. Once they get under that 30%, we work closer toward that kind of 25%. 
And then depending on the woman, going down to 23, 22% can be too lean for some women. Um, and then I've got other women living lower than that 20% and they, they love it, but I'm like, mm, you might need to put a little bit more on. So, um, and then I should also caveat this by saying different body fat testing measures are going to be wildly different. So when you hear these numbers, you may test with a DEXA and you may test with a bod pod and get two totally different numbers and then take your measurements and test with a Navy body fat calculator and get another totally different measure. I have a, a YouTube video that I did with my DEXA technician where he explained how all of these different body fat testing measures are different and why they're different. That's a really powerful one to watch. So you don't get hung up on this particular testing measure. And then what I see a lot of women doing is going after a different one that will give them a better number. At the end of the day, what your body looks like is what your body looks like. And going to a different testing measure didn't actually change anything with your body. It's just giving you a different number that maybe you feel better about. So take it with a grain of salt, pick one and stick with it and just use it for the trends more than anything else. Yes, completely, completely. Oh my goodness. I feel like we could just chat forever about everything. Um, but where can people find more from you? How can they connect with you? What you mentioned your YouTube uh, channel earlier for those um, videos, like where, where can we find you? Sure. So YouTube is Keto Bikini Secrets. My Facebook group, which is where I do all of those live masterclasses every Monday, you can jump on and ask your questions live with me. That is also Keto Bikini Secrets. That's the name of the group on Facebook. And then my website is nataliejgrasso.com. And on Instagram, I am at the Keto Bikini Pro. Awesome. We'll be sure to include many of those links in um, the details of today's episode. And thanks again for coming on the show. This was such a blast. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. And I want to have you on my YouTube because we need to talk medical stuff and functional medicine and all kinds of fun stuff with blood markers. I would love that. I love all of those things. <laughs> so I would love, love, love that. Thanks everyone for listening. And we'll see you next week for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast. I hope you enjoyed our time with Natalie today. You can find her by going to Instagram, the bikini pro or on YouTube, you can look for keto bikini secrets. So go ahead and check that out. Connect with Natalie and we will see you back here for another episode of the keto diet podcast. Bye. Thanks for listening. Join us next Tuesday for another episode of the Keto Diet Podcast. Looking for more resources? Go to healthfulpursuit.com for keto meal plans, weight loss programs, low-carb recipes, and oodles of free resources to get you going. The Keto Diet Podcast, including show notes and links, provides information in respect to healthy living, recipes, nutrition, and diet, and is intended for informational purposes only. The information provided is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment, nor is it to be construed as such. We cannot guarantee that the information provided on the Keto Diet Podcast reflects the most up-to-date medical research. Information is provided without any representation or warranties of any kind. Please consult a qualified health provider with any questions you may have regarding your health and nutrition program. 